Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we round up the latest from the tour and hear from Englishman Eddie Pepperell and Ollie Fisher. Welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark, and as ever, I'm joined by somewhat ill-looking Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, I'm fine. Um, a little bit uh, with a case of the Mondays today. Case of the Mondays. I thought you, I thought you said you were getting the flu or something. I was, but I've actually felt a lot better today. I was really bad this weekend. Oh, dear. Is it just because you managed to come to the office and you saw my face and it really brightened up your... Up your day and yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so no golf over the weekend, then I take it. No, I was uh, I wasn't in bed. I should have been in bed, but I was in Canterbury uh, on a little sightseeing tour. Um, so that was nice. Went to. What's the best sight that you saw in Canterbury? <laughs> the high street's very nice. <laughs> you bit the high street. No, you bit Canterbury <laughs> High Street. <laughs> Not the cathedral. Uh, it was all under construction. You had to pay to get anywhere near it. So. But what was under construction? The, the, the cathedral? It's always got a Costa. It's got a WH Smith's, is it? Yep, yeah. Not the... So, so you went to Canterbury for a sightseeing trip, and then you went to the cinema. No, the cinema. Oh, okay. It, it, cool, um, I don't. I do. I've heard. Have heard of it. One. Yeah. Uh, so well, you can have gin and tonics and. Yeah, it's very expensive. Oh, gin and tonics and avocados. Whilst you watch the. Uh, I had water. I was. Well, I was that ill. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Was the Joker good? It was. What suddenly turned into a film review? Was it good? How many stars out of five? I think it was um, Joaquin Phoenix, wasn't it? Was it? Is that right? Okay, let's 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 stop talking about films. Do you know what, of, of, of the two people talking about films? What, one of us has got a degree in film and television studies, and one of us hasn't. And the one that hasn't is the one that's been talking about the films. So, um, should we? <laughs> My weekend was fine. Um, Um, I don't know if I have another life. Yeah, I went on the People's Vote March on Saturday. It was fun. Uh, yep, lovely sunny day for a march. Until the, until we got to anywhere near Parliament and it's like pouring with rain. But I did have a really nice Pizza Express afterwards. Pizza Express as well. <laughs> oh, boom, there we go, living the dream. Um, we're so alike. Um, so, yeah, that was right. And then, uh, yeah, caught up with some friends on Saturday night. So, yeah, not too bad. And Sunday just watched a lot of sport, a lot, a lot of rugby, wasn't there? A lot of rugby, a bit of football. Was there any golf? A bit of golf. Yes, there was some golf. Should we talk about the golf? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, so there was two golf tournaments which happened over the weekend. The Open de France, or the French Open, as you would say in ethics. Uh, and also the CJ Cup. Uh, so 
in France, Nicolas Colsarts won his first tournament in over seven years with a one-stroke victory. Uh, and he kind of won because a few other people fell away, didn't they? So it was JB Hansen who was uh, who looked like he was going to hold on to the win for a long time. He double bogeyed the 17th. Katsia um, triple bogeyed the 15th. He finished two back. And Kurt Kitayama, who apparently you had money on, Elliot, um, he was three back, but he did quadruple bogey the second. So it's that great golf course, isn't it? The Golf National. We saw lots of drama at the, at the Ryder Cup and it still does produce some drama, doesn't it? It is a tough test. Uh, Colsat's won it with a score of 12 under, I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant golf course. Uh, as a full advocate of a world tour, I would love to see the world's best players compete over it every single year. Yeah, it is a tough test, isn't it? And tournaments are great when you don't know exactly what's going to happen, even with a few holes to go. And um, yeah, I thought Hanson was going to win it with about three or four holes to go. Looked like he was playing pretty steady golf and then um, had a bit of a shock on the 17th so um, but great win for a Ryder Cupper former Ryder Cupper Nicholas Colsarts who was part of the incredible team the Miracle at Medina although he did actually lose his singles game on that final day um, but he did win a point if, if you remember rightly who did he thrash in the four balls at Medina can you remember yeah, he he, more, he shot ten under pretty much with his own ball. I think he's playing with Lee Westwood, wasn't he? Westwood just was just laughing, saying it was that everyone was just laughing how good he played. It was ridiculous. So, Colsarts at that point, everyone thought, oh, who's this guy? He's gonna you know really take his game to the next level. And actually, he's faded a little bit since then. I think he's struggled with different parts of his game, but uh, I think he's a very popular player on tour. He's been doing a bit of media recently, so he's been out and about. So. It, I don't think he could quite believe that he'd won. He looked shocked when he held his the tiny little putt on uh, 18 to win. Yeah, it was brilliant to see him back. Uh, major fans' favourite and one of my favourites too. Of just big guys need lots of power. Uh, he, you thought of him as like this young up-and-coming player a while ago, and now he's 36 years old. And still I younger than me. But no. I think it's going to be really fun watching him not rebuild his career because he... Yeah, he's and he's a he's a guy who in his games on point like like that moment and the Ryder Cup. If he plays at the best, he's very hard to just for anybody to keep up with him because he can just birdie. There's no hole he can't birdie. Uh, he's just his consistency is the thing which lacks him down. He'll be he's very streaky over. He's actually a little bit strangely like Thomas Peters, isn't he? They look reasonably similar, don't they? They're all quite tall and thin. They all both hit the ball absolutely miles and. They just seem to be slightly inconsistent, don't they? Yeah, I'd say Peters has the better swing, mm. whereas uh, Colsarts has a very natural swing that I love. It's just yeah. If it was like a silhouette, you'd be able to tell it was Peters Colsarts swinging. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a good player, good guy, and it's uh, nice to have him on tour now. So he got a bit of exemption, didn't he, from winning that one year or two year? Yeah, but he, well, he's he's going to be exempt for a while. He was obviously struggling, actually, I think, to keep his card. So um, suddenly, life turned round again, and he can really look forward to the future and playing in some of the bigger tournaments. And he's back inside the world's top two hundred now. Um, he's going to have a chance to really push forward and get even get into the world's top hundred if he with the opportunities this win will have given him. Um, it was a it was a funny tournament because it wasn't the best field, was it? And the European Tour, this 
this week and it's amazing how many times that you, a player such as Cole Sartz, who's desperately needed a win suddenly uses this opportunity where there's not great players in the field to, to pick up a, a European Tour victory. I look at the World Rankings uh, website as I do every Monday and actually the Japan Tour event this week had a stronger field uh, than the European Tour, didn't it? Yeah, the Japan Open. Yeah. yeah, it was so um, not... I think it's a real shame that the French Open on such a great golf course hasn't actually got a stronger field. Um, and one of the reasons why it didn't have a stronger field because there's also the CJ Cup happening over in uh, in, in Korea. Korea? Yes, it was a Korea, yeah. wasn't it? Um, and also the French Open. There was an odd, a few odd things happened. Didn't it? There's, it was an odd week for golf. There was two of the weirdest penalties that I can ever remember happening. Uh, Marcel Singh the German, had to disqualify himself um, after front nine where he realised he'd been picking up and placing his ball and cleaning it, thinking it was preferred lies, where actually the golf course was not preferred lies. So he had to give himself a 10-stroke penalty. This was after nine holes on the first round. And um, so he therefore thought, oh, I may as well disqualify himself. I don't think he was playing particularly well at that point either. Yeah, no, he's only So game on. You talk about Colsart winning his cards and his playing right. Seam has actually lost his cards now. Uh, all, not all because of this, but this. Um, well, it's his final chance to. Yeah, it's completely scuffed his chances. And it's just so stupid. Self inflicted. And it's just odd, isn't it? I've never heard of that before. I would have heard of it maybe after one hole. Yeah. But I've never heard of it over nine holes. It's just odd that no one spotted it or. The playing partners didn't say anything. Do you think it's a bit harsh? No, I don't think it's harsh at all. He doesn't. He didn't know the rules. No, yeah, it's, no, it's clearly stupid. But I don't know, maybe he could have just got a two-shot penalty off nine when he realised. Well, I know. I don't think he can. I know. I, no, no. It wouldn't even happen at club level, would it? Mm, maybe at club level, where but they these guys get given what rules are in play for the tournament they get a they get a card everything written on it it's a, it, if you look back at the um, it's a bit feels a bit like when Dustin Johnson got penalised at Whistling Straits where he he didn't realise he was in a bunker he was a waste area but and then you think, well, is that a bit harsh because it's, you know, it's a very sandy lie but it wasn't really a bunker was it and then you you find out that the whole week they've just been nothing but signs up everywhere saying any sandy bit is a bunker it's a hazard don't ground your club I think they what is true that, well they well I think if I remember rightly they had signs up in the lockers locker rooms and everyone gets given their get, you know, told the rules beforehand and it's up to the players to know the rules you know not knowing them is not an excuse and he should have asked his playing partners anyway like going back to club level if it's around October time or something you always go to your mate oh yeah is it pick and place like, you wouldn't have even asked his playing partners surely or their caddies well obviously not so um, he's just had a he has an absolute absolute shocker and then that came on the back of something which I think was even weirder. That was Leanne Walker, who was playing in the LPGA, LPGA Seniors Tour. Is that correct? Uh, the LPGA, Senior LPGA Championship. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, she was penalised 58 strokes. So, again, 58 strokes. 
because she's been lined up by a caddy on 29 occasions. Which, again, I don't really even understand that. Was it just for pups, then? Just pups, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how they must have worked it out. So she was getting lined up by a caddy uh, on 29 times. She must have obviously made 29 pups or something like that. Um, and she was saying, oh, I didn't realise that they changed the rules because I haven't played a, ta- a professional tournament in a year. It's just not good enough, is it? It's, it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Yeah, that is embarrassing. But to be fair, she didn't DQ herself like Seam did. She carried on. Uh, she missed the cut by 58 shots. She's just having a... I don't know, she's just Sorry, having a... 59 shots. She had a couple of days out. Where were they playing? Yeah, so they're having a nice time, <laughs> out and about, playing yeah. some golf. It's yeah, just... Friends, yeah, I mean, it, it's embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, it, I think it's an embarrassment to the LPGA that it that it's actually happened. Because, you know, all these golf tournaments, all these golf tours are struggling. Some of them get a lot of viewing figures, some of them don't. And when you hear that something is amateurish as that, someone who doesn't play golf anymore is on that tour being lined up and saying, oh, I don't really, I don't really keep up with the world of golf anymore. I'm just here for a laugh. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's a fair point. It's not a tour, though. It's just, I think it's just a one-off event. Well, yeah. It's, but what's the point of it? It's a, what it's is the point? Well, clearly, it's ridiculous, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I got quite frustrated about that. I mean, I've never heard... I mean, both of them were odd decisions. Seem I can understand. But uh, Liam Walker, I c- cannot understand with yeah, that. getting lined up, anyway. Well, yeah. When you haven't played golf in three years. And, but also, this is another thing which really has annoyed me about this is... What is... The, what's her playing partner doing? There's just no one bothered to say, you know, you cannot be lined up. I mean, what is going on there? Yeah. The first time it's done, he's like... You, got, you know, why, why is no one saying anything? That, I mean, people do not have rules officials. We haven't got enough rules officials out there to have rules officials with every group being played on every golf tour around the world. It's impossible, isn't it? The players are supposed to be helping out each other out, aren't they? And they, they always say, oh, you know, golfers are brilliant. They call penalties on themselves. Some of the guys don't even know the rules. How are they supposed to call penalties on themselves if they don't know the rules? Very odd. I got very frustrated by it. I also found them highly entertaining stories for the I week. Don't, I don't have, have anything to say to that song, really. I don't, I don't know why nobody would say anything to that, really. It's bizarre. It's just bizarre. They didn't know the rules either. Well, no, which just makes it even worse, doesn't it? So, um, no, it's very odd. Very odd week. And that's just, we've only just done the Open to France. Say she had a senior moment. Uh, she may have had a senior moment. Um, there was another event which um, didn't have any huge... Um, rules infringements unless I miss them and that was the CJ Cup uh, big field in attendance here uh, in Korea and it was won by Justin Thomas who won his 11th PJ Tour title and the second time he's won the CJ Cup he beat Danny Lee by two um, after he shot a final round five under the pair were tied in the back nine but Lee bogeyed 15 and 16 now it wasn't a bad tournament this um, some bigger names obviously in play Let's be honest with the listeners, though, Elliot. Neither yourself or, or myself really saw very much of this, did we, other than what we saw. It's very hard to keep up, you know, being at the time it was being shown. And, um, yeah, I just... I didn't get completely excited by this event. No, I like this event, though. I saw the highlights. How come you didn't watch it, then? Um, because... You were sleeping. Yeah. You were, you were hanging around Canterbury High Street. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I watched the highlights in the evening. 
Nobody's really like the tours going around the world. Like, yeah, you, nice. well, you've already you said that you, you're an advocate of the world tour. It's nice seeing a PJ tour event that isn't just on some sunny course in America. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I just, yeah. I, thought, I do really like the course. I think the 18th hole was brilliant. And, um, yeah, Justin Thomas won the tournament favourite. He's won it twice in three years. Kepka won it last year, so obviously Kepka issue obviously. So Kepka, uh, world number one, um, dramatically withdrew during the second round, or just before the second round. Before the third round. Maybe. Before the third round, yeah, maybe. Was it Saturday morning? So uh, yeah, Kepka withdrew because he's citing a knee injury, which is slightly worrying, isn't it? Knees are very funny things. Now whether it was just he wasn't playing very well and he just wanted to have a rest or what, we don't know. But um, we'll have to keep an eye on him. He's obviously a very big physical guy. His swing obviously takes a lot of pressure on it. puts puts a lot of pressure on his body. So hopefully he hasn't done anything too long term there. Well, he had uh, stem cell surgery on it. I don't know if you know uh, after the tour championship. I didn't know that. So uh, before he played the Shriners, I think in Vegas, and he said he was hundred percent and. Sounds like he needs a rest, but to me, and this is the, and how perfect time for him to get a rest, you know, at this time of year. Um, but yeah, it's he's world number one rank. He's going to come under pressure if he's not playing in the events, obviously. So, um, what did you make the comments on his rivalry? They were very entertaining. I thought they were quite tongue in cheek, to be honest with you. Um, I know he's a very he like we we know before that Kupka has said that he likes to say things which get headlines, hasn't he? So um, he said that um, he didn't think that him and Roy had a rivalry because actually, since Kupka's really hit the top of the game, Roy hasn't won a major. Uh, and yeah, he, he, yeah. So um, I think I thought there's a bit of tongue in cheek going on there, though. I think he was trying to wind Roy up, just jokingly. Did you think that? Or do you think he's being deadly serious? Uh, you could be right, actually, because they are good mates. And um, do you see Rory's response today in Japan? He basically says, I love Brooks Kepka, we're really good friends. So. Yeah, I'm sure he's just... Rory, I think he's, we want Rory to, like, you know, fire back. No, nah, I think they just have a bit of tongue-in-cheek and a bit of, you know, wind each other up a bit. Because they've got two fantastic golfers, um, number one and number two in the world at the moment. Rory's now going to have a chance to get back to world number one, you would think, if he has a good end to the year. There are some big events coming up with the the end of European Tour season, uh, where if Rory has a very good couple of weeks, he could make a lot of money and a lot of world ranking points, couldn't he? So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see if that develops into anything else. I don't think it will, to be honest with you. Um, I'm sorry, I was watching United Liverpool yesterday. Yes. <laughs> about the people in the tunnel like yeah, shaking hands yeah. yeah he was absolutely disgusted that the players were like pally and you know this applies to golf back in the day Faldo and Norman weren't best buddies were they and you know Seve and all that they didn't go actually sorry um, Ernie L said in an interview we did with him that's on our homepage at the moment him and Ratus Goosen were civil they had barbecues together but they weren't great mates because they were Massive rivals. Yeah, yeah. And it just shows you how sport, not just golf, but football as well, has changed. Yeah, no, that's true. And I don't, I don't really have a problem with people being friends with each other as long as when it comes out on the pitch or where, on the course, wherever they are, that you know they give it one hundred percent and they don't leave anything behind. So um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, Roy Keane's also, I mean, he always liked to fight, didn't he? So, he, you know, he was always having arguments with Patrick Vieira in the tunnel, wasn't he? But so. you remember uh, Who can forget that? Exactly, that's the best. But that was just an argument, wasn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was good fun. I mean, uh, so, just, uh, Cole Sots won in France and um, Justin Thomas won the CJ Cup. Someone who also had a decent week at CJ Cup was Jordan Spieth, who we touched on last week, saying he was on a long drought of uh, winless tournaments. Um, and he looked a bit better, didn't he? Yeah, 25 birdies. That's a lot of birdies. Yeah, Probably more birdies than I've had in my life. So, um, have uh, you had any birdies since we last spoke? Uh, um, when did we last speak? Last week? No, but uh, yeah, since we started talking about my birdies and how long it would take me to get 12, no, I think I've had a few. I, I think I've had a couple actually since then. I had a couple on my golf weekend, but let's not talk about that. Um, Speaks look decent. Do you think he's turned a corner now? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he says his ball striking is still not up to scratch, but he's going to win soon. He's going to win soon. And on the How subject, so? all gone. Players on big droughts. Can I um, say some players on big droughts? Yes, people who haven't won for a while. Go on. So, yeah, we wrote this article a while back because um, Nicholas Colsart's done it as well. So he ended his seven year drought. Speed is has quite a short drought of just over two years but players who have not won in a long time include Nick Watney Nick Watney where's he gone he's not won since October 2012 so that's another seven year drought like Colsarts he was always going to be thought to be the next big thing and he disappeared so he won five times on the PJ Tour um, Hunter Mahan yeah won in 2014 I thought he wouldn't have won as recently as that Hunter Mahan didn't Hunter Mahan was one one of the only people who won three WGCs or something Possibly. He's he was an absolute winning machine and he's he's fallen away. Another guy who hasn't won since twenty twelve, Peter Hansen, the Swede, Ryder right Cup player. Since twenty twelve? Yeah. When he Oh, okay, yeah. BMW Masters. Yeah. Because he was in the Ryder Cup team twenty ten. Um and he was at Medina as well. Was is am I am I right in saying that or have I made that up? Not sure about that. Yeah, it was just twenty ten. Yeah. Very good player, very good player. He helped the lead at the Masters after 36 I don't remember that. And he, played, he had quite a good weekend. Uh, Zach Johnson, when was his last win? The Open? Yeah. 2015? Yeah. Was that four years ago? God, that's gone quick. Uh, <laughs> Where's that gone, those four years? I remember watching that. Uh, Stuart Sink, when was his last win? Uh, was it, wasn't 2000, and, wasn't the Open, was it? Yeah. Was it? 2009, my yeah. first Open, I was there. Uh, another former fantastic player, Luke Donald, hasn't won since November 2013. Wow, that's, you, that's, you can't believe that, can I you? Know. He's probably uh, world number one at that stage as well. Somebody who was in the final group at the weekend, Jamie Donaldson, has not won since December 2015, so that's going to be four years soon, you would think. Uh, he, fell. he fell away, didn't he? he, away, yeah, he but it's such a, it's one of those courses where if you're having if you're under a bit of pressure, obviously those guys who suddenly if they're on a long run without a win, as soon as they actually have are in with a shout, the pressure is huge, even more than usual. Because um, you think you know it means so much to them. You've got to make the card. You know you could you could keep their career going. 
Um, I've seen a lot of Donaldson on telly recently, so it's good to see that he is still focusing on his playing career. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Good player, Jamie Donaldson, of well, course. That fantastic iron shot here in uh, at uh, Glen Eagles. Yeah. That's a great Ryder Cup moment to have, isn't it? So. Um, We've got some other tournaments coming up this week. The a new one, the Zozo Championship. The PJ Tours Age Swing moves to Japan for the inaugural Zozo Championship at Accordia Golf Noshino Country Club, where it's got a purse of just $9.75 million, and there's only a 78-man field with no cut. Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and many other big names are playing. Is this going to be a good event? Yeah, brilliant. Why is it going to be good? Because Japan is a wonderful golf club and it's good that the world's best players are going to go and play that. A year before the Olympics as well. Yep. So really good. Um, we have the Japan Challenge skins thing and the crowd turnout for that was... Do you want to give a little bit of an update on what that was? If people missed that? Uh, that happened this morning, didn't it? Yeah. On Monday? Run by Golf TV and the PGA Tour to basically promote this week's tournament so it was um, Rory, Tiger, Day and Hideki playing Skins and Skins I think as I said last week it's a stupid format uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason Day won four Skins on the 17th hour and one basically yeah. and I think he won over 200 grand yeah. And there was a lot of stuff, money being raised for charity, I think, as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there's was a bit, and there was a bit, and there was a bit of uh, a few rugby players there. Of course, the Rugby World Cup still taking place over there, so um, it shows that they're trying to really put a big effort into getting some coverage. It's really a made-for-TV event, wasn't it? Trying to get some of the big names in front of people's eyes and make people realise that there was some golf happening. Of course, it's lovely, though. Quite, um, I mean, yeah, I suppose so. Um, so Rory's got a chance now, isn't he? If he Rory wins this week, he's going to be up very close to being world number one, I think, isn't he? No, he's still got a long way to go. Oh, come on, I was trying to build it up. But, uh, I'm trying to build it up, and you you shot me down immediately. This reminds me in his BMW PGA press conference, he said he wanted to get to five wins this year. Mm-hmm. And How many has he had now? He's had three. So he's playing this week. He's playing. Next week, then he's playing Dubai. So there's. Do you think he'll play what's before that? Ned Bank? Ned Bank in Turkey, I think he'll Do you think he'll miss both? Well, he might play one of them. Possibly. Big big fields now, big money, obviously. But yeah, if he wins two more times, he's probably. If he wins two of them, well, yeah, because they're big big events, aren't they? Um, so yeah, and then another world ranking story, which we haven't said, is Phil Mickelson currently. After last week, he's ranked 50th in the world, bang on 50th world. And he's been in the world's top 50 of the world rankings for how long, Elliot? Longer than I've been alive. <laughs> that's, do you know what? That's all you need to say. That's ridiculous, isn't it? So he's been over 25 years. He's nearly getting close to 26 years, isn't it? So he's been in the world's top 50 for 25 years plus. Older than Elliot, that's brilliant. Um, but he looks... But well, no. Well, it looks like he will fall out of the world rank top fifty in the world rankings this coming week because he's not playing. Um, and yeah, maybe it's time he he dropped out. I think he's going to get back straight in. I thought you were say, it's time you no, not at all. Oh no, no, I love Mickelson. So um, what a what an incredible feat that is! 
Is there any? What well, I mean, that's got to be one of the most incredible things in ever in sport, isn't it? If you look, the longevity of that is outrageous. Yeah. We're trying to look at. We, uh, I know Sam in the office was uh, looking at things which happened twenty when he was first in the world's top fifty. I think Mrs. Doubtfire was number one in the box office. Um, things like I, it's it's an awfully long time ago, and the long you know you think about these football managers. So Alex Ferguson, he was a manager for an awfully long time. Arthur Wenger for a bit, but. It's, to be at the top of this, the game for 25 years is is incredible, isn't it? And I'm sure people will uh, will be cheering him on to hopefully get back into the top 50 in the near future. Yeah, yeah, yeah massive respect, Phil. That is um, that is phenomenal. You don't like Phil Mickelson, do you? I, I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but it's just not as big as bad. Okay, well there you go. That was very really lukewarm, wasn't it? Um, no, if you think of Tiger, he, would, he did well, obviously incredibly well for so long, but then injuries take their toll and everything like that. And you've got to think how, yeah, how long he's been going and how long he's been competing. And he still, he still competes every week and he's got a chance of winning every week. I know he, he'll be the first person to say he's not playing very well. Um, but when he's on form, he's an incredible player. Won a WGC last year, didn't he? Yeah, even last year then, winning a WGC at the age of 48. Yeah, amazing. I thought he was completely washed up. Yeah. And then again, winning this year at uh, Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach. Exactly. He's, what, a, what an incredible career. So, um, yeah, let's hope it long may it continue, I'll say. Um, someone else we're going to talk to about, uh, to hear from now, actually, is Eddie Pepperell who hasn't been in the World Top 50 for 25 years, but he's a, he's a great entertainer. And he's one of the biggest names playing this week on, at the Portugal Masters on the European Tour. And we've got a little bit of short game insight from the Englishman. OK, so Eddie, uh, short game. Uh, firstly, I want to talk to you about technique before we talk about uh, how to practice it and how to sort of improve. Because I, I spoke to you last year at the British Masters and you told me how you're somebody that is quite an old-fashioned style of chipping, the sort of style of chipping that now people seem to be kind of moving away from a little bit. Is that a fair thing to say? Um, probably, I suppose. Uh, if I started again, yeah, I would probably take on more of the modern, but I'm um, a poison chalice, I'm afraid, so I just have to do what I've got. And because I have a, because I have a fair bit of handle drag in transition, you have to counteract that so that you're not, you know, doing all sorts of terrible things. So... Um, can you just quickly explain what the two yeah. kind of what, what well, people are so, like to so see? So from this position here, if, if the handle didn't drag towards the target um, and it just say fell, then which is what you'd see in more modern chippers, it would fall so that it's a nice wide position and then you could collect it with your body and use all the bounce, do all the right things. I tend to have a fair bit of handle drag. So because of that, obviously now, if I just rotated, I'd miss the ball. So there has to be an element of, right. at some point, that club has to fall to the ground. How it gets to the ground is where it's important for me. Okay. So to counteract the handle drag, it needs to come in for me. Okay. So, yeah. So, what, what, why, just quick, quick, why would you do it the other way? If you, had the, if you were starting again from scratch now, why would um, you do it the other way? I think probably because you can have more variety at your disposal more easily. Um, there's a couple of chip shots that I would just struggle with. A tight lie. If I had to hit a, off a tight lie to a slightly raised green and quite a short shot, that's probably the shot I find most hard or the hardest. Um, I often would then bump it. Okay. Um, if I could, 
Um, that's why I hate playing cuckoo grass because I can't bump and run. <laughs> uh, so I often just walk in. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, that's a particular shot. Having said that, there would be other chip shots where I would benefit. So lower shots, yes. um, tighter lies, links links turf would be a great example of where I might prefer it because I can really bang the club into the ground into and the never ground. worry about fatting it. So there's all sorts of things that play really. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do better on certain surfaces than others. But that, I probably see the most issues with amateur golfers probably do come around the greens. And the reason for that, I think, actually, I think primarily the reason for that is more to do with the backswing as opposed to what happens in the downswing. Right, go on. And what I mean by that is I see so many players or amateurs take the club back and the face is too shut. So if you haven't got any loft on the face when you're chipping, it's impossible to chip well. So you never want to see that face be shut when you're chipping. Because no. if it's shut, how are you going to get that ball in the air? That's what you, and it's really, really difficult. Even the best players in the world would react. So Tiger Woods, I mean, when people started saying he had the yips around the greens, it's ridiculous. He loses his technique for a short while. Yeah. It becomes a mental problem, but it always starts as a technical problem. So you have to fix the technique. And all you know, really great chippers will, will make sure that the toe is more up to the sky, halfway back, as opposed to there. You, know, okay. you don't want it shut on the way back um, because then you have to create loft. And that's when you start doing all sorts of bad things with the handle and, and all sorts. So okay. you really want to make sure that on the way back, you're getting some loft on the face, and I quite like to feel that in my left arm. Okay. Um, and you can even just check, you know, that's, that, that's got, I mean, that would have loads of loft, you know, that's super open, that's super shut, and that's neutral. So, okay. you know, in your own mind, you want to make sure that on your way back, it's not, it's not shut. Knowing where it should be. And um, so, talking about practicing short game, are there any, are there any drills that you use, or how do you just, how do you prepare yourself? Because every golf course you play, as you've already mentioned, different grasses, yeah. you know, different firmness underfoot, different I, challenges, really. I don't practice my short game. Um, I have a putting green in my house, which is why <laughs> I practice my putting, and I go to a range which is two minutes away, which is why I hit, but I, I never practice my chipping at home. I can't remember the last time I practiced chipping. Um, I, I, do a lot of, I do a fair bit of tournaments, especially if I miss a lot of greens. Um, it just correlates so much to my technique my chipping i find okay. chipping and pitching is basically the extension of iron play or vice versa so when when irons tend to be good chipping and pitching is easy when irons tend to go off a bit and it's a similar pattern with me um just chipping and the short game i find tougher but there's always that relationship going on so like i think back to some weeks where this year i mean sawgrass does come to mind um yeah. i wouldn't i don't recall practicing my short game very much at all but you chipped unbelievable but I, my short game was unbelievable especially yeah. on the Sunday it was everything and they were all different types of chips actually and they were all very good so you know I, I just think technique is so important and you've got to get that right and if that's right you can probably spend much more time eating chocolate in front of the telly than uh, practicing which no, that's is great. a decent piece of advice <laughs> so there you go Eddie Pepperell there uh, any of those short game tips that you'll be taking out on the course Elliot? Uh, yeah the bit where he says sitting on the couch well, you want to have a lie down? I do actually chip like Eddie Pepperell. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Sorry, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you may try and use the same technique, but you don't chip the same as Eddie Pepperell. Eddie Pepperell's a professional golfer. You are not. Listeners, I don't think Tom's listening to this. So, <laughs> um, so he's talking about the two different techniques, and I'm specifically on the Eddie Pepperell side. Whereas, you know, like... Okay, so, yeah, you're, you're, you're on the Eddie Pepperell camp, that's Instead what you're saying. Like, you're the Eddie Pepperell technique camp. camp. You're not... Yeah. You still don't chip like Eddie Pepperell. <laughs> but I like your... Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you chip? Are you 
How do I chip? Well, uh, we Burger King usually. Um, <laughs> no, I chip. I just try. Do you use the bounce or do you, um, I just try it. Trying at the ball, mate. You know, I had a I had a double hit with a chip in uh, in Florida this year. So um, uh, yeah, that was yeah. That's not my the best moment in my life. So um, yeah, oh no. I try and you. No, no, no. I do always try and chip with a nine iron around the green. Try and, which actually I don't think hasn't been working very well. <laughs> I might have to change that. But um, yeah, there you go. There's some golf technique of my rubbish game. But the Portugal Masters, where Eddie Pepper is playing this weekend, is um, one of those events where the scoring is usually very healthy. Um, so Tom Lewis defends the title this year. Um, Eddie Pepper was the highest ranked player, but there's also uh, Lee West was there, Lucas Beogard and Harrington, among others, playing there. And last year, it was where we saw the European Tour's first ever 59, shot by Englishman Oliver Fisher. Um, that was that was a pretty decent um, round of golf, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing. I've played that golf course. Did you shoot 59? but I did play very well around it because it, yeah, it's wide open there's no travel I think it's quite short by their standards especially in Portugal uh, so yeah I can definitely see yeah. how that number it's one of those events I struggle with I'll be honest with you um, because how easy they find it there's always a 59 or a 60 every year isn't there so um it's yeah it's 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 very different to the, what happened this week on the UP tour with the with the golf national um usually unless there's an absolute head off where it's it's just birdie 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 and there's two players who are scoring as heavily as each other but um oh well we'll have to wait and see won't we but we've actually got some audio from ollie fisher who shot that 59 on his 10 best tips <laughs> On a bunker plate, always open a face, you know, so I watch, uh, watch a lot of amateurs, they have the face two square and they try and hit the ball. Most important thing about bunker play is firstly opening the face as much as you want to open it, lay it back and get the hands aiming, aiming towards your right shoulder if you like, so you know, they're not leaning. If they're leaning forward, the ball's always going to pop right, so, and you want to return the club and hit as much sand as you can. As long as you hit the sand and the face is open, the ball will come out. Too many times I see amateurs hitting the sand before it and the face is closed and it just digs a load of sand up and it, the ball goes nowhere. So, But with the open face, the ball will fly out. So. Um, do you know what? One of the biggest things I think that can help a slice is to kind of feel like you're swinging like an old man. When you see an old man standing there, he, you know, he tends to stand very curved on it all the time and that will help you swing more around you in a follow-through. So. Um, I'd say first life swing like an old man. <laughs> Best tip on reading greens is to look at the green before you actually get to the green. Uh, an awareness of the green as you're walking up um, will always help you. You know, just being aware of your surroundings, the general lie of the land um, will always help out a lot. Course management, keeping it simple. Um, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of my pals that I play with, you know, I know the fun, the fun part of the game is hitting the driver well, and you see Rory and you know the top guys in the world smashing it 350 yards down the fairway. But I think when we go out nowadays, the courses 
parkland courses that we play that are 6,200 yards, you know, sometimes a three-word and the irons go just as far as what the driver was designed to go far back then. Um, so, you know, just a matter of playing dot-to-dot -dot golf. Um, best chipping drill I'd have would be um, to go through the bag for distance, you know, hitting a, hitting a chip five yards with a lob wedge, five yards with a pitching wedge, five yards with an eight, eight iron, and just getting an getting a idea about how far the shots run out. You know, because you've got a whole, club, whole bag of clubs to use, and you know, so many guys just standing with a lob wedge, go, right, I've got to hit this one 20 yards, hit this one 10, hit this one five, and well, you can chip the eight iron the same distance as you chip the lob wedge, but they finish 15 yards apart. So, you know, the most important thing is remembering you've got a set of clubs to use here, and sometimes the easiest shot is using the seven iron from the edge of the green, or using a putter, or you know, using lob wedge. You know, looking at what the the exam paper's asking you, and uh, you know, using your tools to do it. Yeah, uh, short putting is an interesting one. I always think people try and they feel like they should hold every short putt, and you, you, you know, stats come up on the, on the telly. Luke Donald's 850 for 850 from four foot this year, and you know, I think you go and speak to all these guys. They, they're really into green reading, choosing their line, and hitting their putt, and making sure that actually holding it is kind of, it's just a, um, you know, something that happens as a consequence to the decisions you made before. So, quite often you're standing there thinking, I must make this, I must make this, right, all right, make it, make it and it slides by on the right hand side. It's because you haven't done the stuff right before it to knock it in. I think you know, the greatest thing you can do with short parts is be positive about what the decision is that you're making before it. Choose the line you want to hit it on and then you know, try and make your best stroke. If it goes in, it goes in. Hitting the ball a long way is all about strike and all about making sure you get the best contact on the ball. If you're hitting it out the neck or out the toe, the ball's not going to fly properly. So first things first, uh, you know, hitting something hard is all about the build-up of the swing. You know, certainly feeling like you get a little bit more weight on the right-hand side going back and you can put a bit more power for it on the left-hand side coming through is a factor. But, you know, the most important thing above everything else is, is striking the ball well. Oh. Biggest tip for ball striking would be to kind of limit your your vision, your peripheral vision. You know, really, really pinpoint a dimple on the ball, uh, making sure that you're hitting through to the target. So, you know, firstly, being positive about where you're looking at on the ball, and then uh, you know, making sure you're hitting down through the ball to put that kind of downward strike on it that gets you to hit hit, hit in the back of the ball. Again. You know, spin, spin is a kind of misconceived thing. I think sometimes you can, uh, you know, you see pros playing from a tight line, they've got 20 or 30 yards and they're hitting a shot and it's stopping within three or four foot, but that's only because their strike's been so good from that, from that lie. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of different fundamentals that they do to, to make sure they strike that ball well, but generally, you know, if you're using a chip, and I think all us pros would kind of agree to it, you know, you want to, spin's not only a lot of spin, it's also how do I not spin it? So being aware of trying to get something to play the, the easiest way is the most important thing. You know, firstly, I think with regard to practice, golf's a, 
golf is one of them games that sometimes the more you practice, the worse you get. So, you know, for me, definitely over the last few years, it's been managing my time better, saying, do you know what, am I clear before I go out there to hit balls? If I'm not, I might as well just, you know, have a, have a latte in the bar or in the, have a, having a coffee and, and feel like I'm going to go and play. Just go and play nine holes and, and enjoy playing because one thing's that is that what you do on a range is com not completely different to the course, but it's a completely different, um, you know, arena. So, you know, going out there and feeling comfortable on the course, you're only going to get from playing. And I think, you know, certainly when I've been off in my off weeks, it's, you know, don't get me wrong, doing plenty of work on a range and plenty of work on a putting green, but making sure that when you go on a course and you try things out on the golf course. The biggest thing with, with practicing is, is finding something that you're, you're good at or you can repeat and then making sure that, do you know what, if I'm going to go stand on the lever under pressure, that's the shot I'm going to hit. Where's my target? Give me three balls. Right, what do we score? If I scored two, how can I score three? Or if I scored none, how can I score one? And just keeping the targets easy, manageable, and something that you can achieve. So there you go, Ollie Fisher, 10 best tips, shot 59 last year at the Portugal Masters. Elliot, which of those 10 best tips will you be taking out to try and shoot? 79. 69. Yeah, okay, that'll do. Uh, I think the short putting one was good, where he basically says, don't try and hold the putt. Try and control your controllables, and then the ball will go in the hole as a byproduct of yes. your controllables being controlled. Yeah, well, I, th I think that was well described, yeah. I think he probably said it better than I did. Yeah, I, I, I also like that one. It's actually just concentrate on having a good strike on the ball and hitting it on the line that you're trying to trying to hit it on don't try and um, yeah look to see the balls going in the hole immediately and stuff like that so uh, no exciting um, exciting tournaments should be some birdies uh, no PJ Tour event late on again is there so you know fill your boots with your European golf this weekend if you're if you're watching the TV um, you'll see a lot of birdies and eagles I'll tell you that for nothing I'll be having a bet again this week You won you three pounds seventy five. So well done. On loads of players and got me back. So fifty p down. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had any thoughts? No. Uh, do you know what I ha Out of those guys, um, Westwood I think could have a good week. But I still think these are these are the such good tournaments where. Look at the guys who've been playing pretty solid. They might not be a big names, so but look at the guys who've just been having solid years, um, especially with the putter, because it's such. It's, if you hold your putts, you've got to hold your putts this week. You've got to, otherwise you just lose ground. You've got to make your birds and everything like that. So it's n this is the kind of course where it goes. The guys just hit it as far as they can. They find the ball, they chip on, and they try and hold a putt. And it does turn into a bit of a putting competition. So the guys who have got particularly good putting stats, I think, will um, will have a chance. Is that fair? Is that fair? I think that's very well explained. Uh, I might put all my money on Tom Lewis. Back. Tom Lewis. The way he won that Tour Finals yep. was incredible. Yep. Tom. Yeah. He's. I, I'd be interested to know what odds he is. Uh, I assume he'd probably be quite short. I but think he might be favourite. Yeah. So. Do so, you know one guy who springs to mind? I don't even know if he's in the field, but the guy who kind of guy who I think will do well here is someone like Hayden Porteous from South Africa hits the ball miles and on his day can uh, go very very low 
as I say. Yeah, well, you say that, but there's but some. So we say like Colsarts, he he could shoot, he could shoot ten birdies in a round, couldn't he? Whereas there's other golfers who are just very very solid. Once in a blue moon, they'll have ten birdies. Absolute once in a blue moon. But actually, most of the time, they're scoring just very solid 70s and 69s, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, look at the guys who... Well, okay, I will, all right. I don't, as I said, I don't even know if he's in the field, so do check if he's in the field, um, and then we'll go from there. Other news, Molinari's split from his caddy, and he's yeah, taking up... Yeah, taking up former... Justin Rose's uh, former caddy. Uh, Fooch. Do they say Fooch? Oh, I've started that over here. Yeah, looking forward to that partnership. That seems to come from nowhere, doesn't it? So, whether Molinari was just looking to try and freshen up his game a bit, I, there's nothing wrong with that. It sounded like, hello, Iguaran. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> um, just had so, he just had enough. He said, I'm going to go and do something else. Didn't Yeah, so maybe, so actually, yeah, maybe the caddy's cad retired. Yeah, maybe he's just retired, or he said, you know what, actually, you know, it's it's tough on all the guys. You know, if they're going to, to traveling around the world and having to carry, you know, guys' bags and all this stuff. For, exactly. Maybe you know, you got family commitments, all this stuff. You don't know what's going on. So, um, best of luck to him. And Molinari, this could be a nice little injection into his game having a bit of someone with fresh ideas on the bag and um, obviously someone with, who's had a lot of success with golfers as well in the past. So. Yeah, because I find it hard that Molinari... Sorry, I find it hard to believe that Molinari would be the kind of person to be like, I'm not playing well, so I'm going to sack my caddy. Yeah. They've got much more of a stronger relationship. Yeah, and it sounds like that. If he's staying part of the team, then it sounds exactly like that. So, um, no, lots of, lots of good stuff happening. Now, have we got any reader questions, Elliot? We had a, a couple in this week. Not so many. I think I posted the questions out at the wrong time. It's fine. Um, I don't think we need as to. As you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. with your film degree, we had one that you might be able to answer. Oh, gold. Uh, from Ian MCK24. Hello. Said, uh, if Buzz Lightyear didn't think he was a toy, why would he stop moving when there were people around? Uh, I'm not sure. That's, um, it's a film. It's not real. Get over it. Did that answer? Did that answer your um, answer his question? My son is very into Buzz Lightyear Toy Story at the moment, so um, a big Buzz Lightyear fan. I won't have anything bad sent said about Buzz Lightyear. I've seen the new film. I haven't though. What? What do you mean what? You haven't seen Toy Story four. I have not seen Toy Story four. No. I'll give you some insight into that. Don't, no spoilers. Uh, my girlfriend cried at the. Oh well, okay. It's well, quite okay, well, that's fine. Indeed. Um, Paul D seventy seven on Twitter. People says, "How many keep their card this year?" Credit cards, business cards. What are we talking about? In Europe, I think it's one twenty. Yep. And then the rest go to Q School in November. Yeah, it's 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 that time of year where people are playing not only for a bit of dosh each week; they're playing for their careers. And um, we've had it all for well, the last couple of months, haven't we? We've seen some big drama. So there's drama like Colsarts will have was struggling to keep his card, suddenly he wins, he gets a year's exemption, and that changes his life. The same with Tom Lewis, 
went over to play the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, maybe just as, you know, I'll give it a go, ends up winning it and he's now got a PGA Tour card and his life is completely changed because of that one one week and that that can happen, can't it? Some of these guys are desperate for a 20th place finish to try and uh, keep, get enough money to keep the card. Possibly, I don't know. Dress code in the clubhouse is different. This is not actually a question. Dress code in the clubhouse is different to dress code on the course. Ashton Lee today, live football in the bar, no dress code. It works. Right. He just, yeah. Interesting. He's I just think. saying, I think, so he's saying, um, uh, I mean, some golf clubhouses will have, you have to wear a jacket and tie in certain bars. You will have to... You know, some places you're not allowed in. Some places you won't. No women will be allowed in there still. Um, I can think of some places I know which have that. And actually, I think what the uh, what was the what was the name of the guy who asked the question? Uh, Andy. Hello, Andy. Uh, well, I think what's Andy saying is actually at the golf course he was at today. It was relaxed on the golf course, and also it was relaxed afterwards, so people could watch the football and have a pint. Now, for some people. They don't want to watch the football and have a pint with people who are also watching football. So there's always two sides to the question. Um, but in this time where golf clubs are struggling and they need to get as many people in as possible, I think if they find something that's working for them, whether that might be that they do show live sporting events and have good drink deals, then good luck to them. It might also be the case that actually there's some places which really don't want to do that and they have a... a a member that also doesn't want that. So it's depends where you live. It depends what kind of club it is. And as long as the clubs are trying to do the best for them and the best for the members, I think that's good. I will be in the case of I would obviously want to probably catch the football and have a nice relaxing pint. But I recently went to a golf club that did not have a TV in their main bar. Could not believe it. That would put me off joining Oh, there you go. No, no, no. But there's, there's, but there would be plenty of golf clubs which don't have TVs in their main bars. Lots of them, I think, will have sport bars or spike bars or whatever yeah. they call them, which they might have Sky on or the football on, so that if you want to go and watch that, you can go and do that around the corner. Whereas actually, um, for the members, nice big lounge, they won't have it. Um, it depends on space. Some places are bigger than others. Some people places have size for TV room. Some don't, do they? So. Uh, I think yeah. There's. I think what we've got to remember that in generationally, some generations would like to sit and drink and have a watch the football. Some could think of nothing worse than that, and actually much prefer to have a conversation. Uh, some, yeah, it's each their own. But I think the more that you can give the choice to your members, the better. Yeah, well said. Oh, thanks. Hope that answers that one question for you, Andy. Indeed. My course actually. Is that why you bought some new? Uh, Elliot is actually. Fa- <laughs> I can't believe you mentioned jeans because it's reminded me. Elliot's wearing some new jeans today, very light denim. Not sure the jury is out of them. So, uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. He's come back fighting. Of course, solid, solid. Uh, <laughs> 
Indeed. Anyway, let's leave it there. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to look back on the Zozo Championship and Portugal Masters and also be looking ahead to the final World Golf Championship of the year in China. Remember to rate and review us if you listen on iTunes and subscribe on your usual podcast provider. And also do check us out on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. And one last thing I'm going to say. At the moment, we have a fantastic Golf Monthly Magazine subscriptions offer. 40% off the magazine. Of course, we are a magazine. So if you do want to check that out or if you think that would be a good present for someone for Christmas or a birthday, do go to the Golf Monthly website and click on the adverts. Until next week, Elliot, thanks for your company. I think think you're getting over your man cold. Um, And I'm looking forward to what new outfit you'll have on next week as well. Okay. Oh yes. Oh yes, a mystery golf course, yeah, a mystery golf course for Elliot with his father. So we're looking forward to finding out the details of that. And for those details, do uh, listen in next week. Bye bye.